Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. If you have your, your notes, go ahead and open it. If you have a smart device, and that's where you choose as well to take your notes, go ahead and turn that on. Um, but only to take notes, okay? No surfing the internet, no making reservations for lunch, no checking your social media, none of that stuff. Only for notes. Can you say that? Only for notes? All right, good. All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to get into the Word. If you could open up your Bibles to Revelation, we're going to go all the way to the end. Uh, Revelation chapter 21. I would say about... Seven, eight, it's been a long, I mean, I've, I've gone over the years over Revelation, and I've grabbed scripture from Revelation chapter 21, but it's been many years since I've just um, stuck on that one chapter. It's a, it's, a, it's a favorite chapter of mine in the book of Revelation, uh, but it's Revelation chapter 21, and just put your marker there, put your finger there, and, and that's kind of where we're going to be at today, and uh, I'm going to share a message uh, today that's titled, The Good New Days. The good new days. It sounds weird maybe coming out of your mouth, the good new days. Uh, but I kind of want to encourage you with that um, and, and what that means today, the good new days. And what I mean by that is I truly believe that there is something new coming. There's something new coming. And, and, and um, I want to show you through Scripture that I'm not lying. Because you might say, well, yeah, of course, that sounds good. Such a, such a catchy uh, title for the days that we're living in. But no, there. there there's the good new days, and they're right at hand. Amen? Um, we've all heard, as we share that title, the good new days, uh, we've all heard someone say, or maybe you yourself have said this, uh, those were the good old days. My uncle and my grandfather, I'll never forget, I'm from Key West, and uh, when they would get a little happy, um, they would always sing this song. Uh, maybe the older folk here would know it. Forgive me for butchering it. I don't know all the lyrics, but I know this one phrase because they would say it over and over and over. Those were the days, my friend, I thought they'd never end. All right, I'm not going to keep singing it. But they would sing that song. Those were the days, my friend, I thought they'd never end. And they would dance to it, and they would sing it. And here I am as an older gentleman now, and I still remember that as a kid, looking at my grandfather and my uncle just singing that song, speaking about the good old days. I've said it, too. Um, These are the good old days, or those were the good old days. And um, I have not just said it, but I've also thought it, you know, when I th- thought about a memory or something, I said, ah, oh, those, those were good days. The truth is, well, what, what does that mean? What, what's, what's the good old days really all about? Uh, I, I truly feel it's that you're remembering an occasion, and, uh, and, and it's one with good memories. So it automatically causes you to do that, to say that. Uh, perhaps times were different um, then. Uh, but but there, was a, there was a joy that was in that memory. I, I don't know how different your life was. I don't know how different the circumstance was. When you look at a, a past memory and say, oh, those were good days. Uh, but, but for sure, there was joy in that memory that causes you to make that statement that that was a good day or that those were good days. It's, it's, it's this collective, these collective thoughts and memories <clears throat> that, that form that. That, that takes you back uh, to that moment in which you're reminded of a good time. Uh, but I started to think about that, and I said, well, 
as I think about good days or the good old days, I'm sure that there were difficulties in those days as well. Though I called them the good old days, or though you may call them the good old days, or though my uncle, my grandfather used to sing, those were the days, my friend, I thought they never. And I'm sure that whatever days they were singing about, there were also difficulties then. Uh, there, were, there was death in those days. There was pain in those days. There was heartache. There were struggles. Just like there are today. I'm sure that in those days there were wars and there, were, there was famine and there was evil times and evil men that lived. I'm, I'm positive that, that in those days that we call the good old days um, are very similar um, to certain circumstances that we may be facing today. But there was a feeling that came with that memory. With that memory in which makes us say that, yes, those were the good old days. But I want to remind all of us, and also I'm preaching to myself. I want to remind myself, I want to remind all of you today, that we don't have to think about the good old days. That that doesn't have to be where you rest at all the time. And that, that you have to always go back and say, oh, the good days of the old time, the good old days, that, that we need to also think about the good new days. I figured there would be no amen in that part. The good new days. So, that when, so this, is how, this is what we should do. Ready? Change our vocabulary a little bit. These are the good new days. Something good happens, just confess it in the air. These are the good new days. These are the good new days. Something happens, these are the good new days. Confess that, that, that these are good new days. We can make new memories. Maybe you could poke that person next to you and say, let's make new memories. Let's go ahead and make today a better day. You can make today a better day. How, how do I do all this? By changing our perspective, by changing our attitudes. That's how you start to change the good new days and enjoy this moment. Enjoy it with people that you love and, and make these days the good new days. Amen? And if that's hard for you and you say, ah, I just can't do it. I just don't know how. I just want to go back to the good old days. I want to remind you that there is still, still to come a better day. There, there's good new days to come. Truly. A truly good new day. And if you've not heard it, I'm going to tell you today that there is something new and something new that is coming. And what I would love for all of us is to be encouraged in this present moment and going forward. Because what's ahead are not the, day, the best days to come. It's the good new days. It's the good new days. It, it, it truly is. It's the good new days. Isaiah 65 and 2 Peter chapter 3 and eventually Revelation 21. It's going to take us even further to the future and truly remind us of some good New days that are awaiting us. Look what Isaiah chapter 65 says. Speaking about good new days. And I love the word new. New. I, I like that word. How many of you like new things? No? All right. Keep on wearing your old shoes then. Driving your old car. And, and walking in your old clothes. Like, keep on being old. But, but how many of you like new stuff? And, and new things are surprising. And new things are refreshing. If, you, if you've tried a new food, it, it does something to your taste buds. When you, when you, when you put on new clothes, it, it makes you feel good. I don't know about you, but when I get a new haircut, it, I just feel like a different person. I, I just washed my car. 
I promise you, I feel like I'm driving a new car. That's how long it's been since I washed. But you like things that feel new, that are new. Isaiah 65, 17 says this. For behold, I create new. And the Lord says to Isaiah, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Did you see that? The good old days. Forget about it. The former things, the things of old. Behold, I'm doing something even better. I'm doing something, what does he say? New. I hope you see that. Isaiah doesn't, it doesn't stop with just Isaiah. It continues in the New Testament with 2 Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, look what the apostle says. He says, but according to his promise. Everyone say his promise. This is the Lord's promise. According to his promise, look at this. We are waiting. We are waiting. Everyone, we're waiting. We're anxiously just waiting. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for new. What's new? What new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I love that. Pastor Javi came here last week and he started to speak about righteousness. And, and, and here's 2 Peter and he's like, there's this new thing that's coming. And it's a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be righteousness all around us. Everywhere. It's just going to be right. It's not going to be wrong. It's going to be right. Everything's going to be righteous and right. Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be pure. Everything's going to be holy. We're going to dwell in righteousness. How many of you could say amen? It doesn't end there either. If you're going to end somewhere, we'll go to the end of the Bible. And say, let's see what the end of the Bible says. And the end of the Bible says something just as similar to echo what Isaiah, God says through Isaiah and what he says also through 2 Peter in the book of Revelation. This is what I'll do. I was thinking, about well, I don't know how I should do this, but let's just do it. Let's have a good time. I'm going to read from the New King James, and I'm just going to read right through. It's a little lengthy, so let's just read it, and then let's go over it. And depending what translation you read from, my translation right here on the top, guess what it says? All things made new. The good new days. All things made new. I love that. Maybe I should have titled the message that. All things made new. It says this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. There's the word new. You're going to see that. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Everything we know of. Also there was no more sea. And then I, John, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven at any time that you feel encouraged to say amen or clap, do it because this is an awesome passage. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death and sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. The same thing that was said in the book of Isaiah. Then he who sat on the throne, I wonder who that is. There's a lot of songs about people sitting on the throne, but for the one who sits on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. There's the word again. And he said to me, this is John the Apostle now, and he says, Write for these words are true and faithful. 
And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, not us, not us, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All right, let's get to some better stuff. Here you go. Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem. And it was descending out of heaven from God. And it was having the glory of God. And her light was like a most precious stone. Look how he describes the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. She was like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had great and high walls with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he talked with me, and he had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. You guys are enjoying this? I am. I'll read it over and over if you want. The, the city is laid out as a square. This is telling us about our future home. It's giving us the measurements. It's telling us how it looks like to a degree. You still have no idea. We still don't have any idea. But it, he's flirting with us. He's like, ah, I'll give you a hint. But your eyes have never seen and your ears have never heard and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height as equal. And then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of man that is of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure as gold, like clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. And the first foundation was jasper, the second, so there's foundations to this home. The second was sapphire, the third was, you guys help me? Help me preach today? Or help me read? Yeah, I don't know, whatever stone that is. Chalcedony, look it up on Google. You're allowed to use your, your smart device. Look it up. And, <laughs> all right. The next one was like emerald, the fourth one, the fifth one was like sardinox. Whatever, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystallite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth. They, they, look at all the stones, the eleventh and the twelfth and the. <laughs> you tell me what that looks like. All these different stones and when the light of Christ hits it, the colors that your eyes will see. The twelve gates were twelve pearls with each individual gate was one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. We drive on asphalt, there we walk on gold. But I say this, look at verse 22, I highlighted all this part. No temple in it. I saw no temple for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb or its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. The kings of the earth bring the, so life continues on this new earth. There's nations and there's kings and there's government. 
But there's a reigning kingdom, the new Jerusalem, and Christ who sits on his throne over the nations. It's a whole different way of living. But it's not that weird. Don't think so weird. Don't think so, oh my gosh, like, how is this really going to be? Earth continues, but heaven's glory reigns on it. Look what it says. Ah. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. The kings of the earth, not the kings of heaven. The kings of the earth bring their glory and their honor into the new Jerusalem. Its gates shall be not shut at all by day. You've heard me preach about that here because there's safety. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, into the new Jerusalem. Because that's where Christ sits on his throne. But there shall be no means enter anything that defiles or causes abomination or lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. I read Revelation 21, and all I could say is, these are the good new days. Hope you get excited with me. Every time I preach on the future home, I get excited because this is home. This is my citizenship. I could show you my license, and it says the state of Florida, but my spiritual license, the one that's engraved in my spirit, says I am a citizen. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I am a resident of the new Jerusalem. I will, I will lay prostrate at the feet, at the throne of Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's my home. I belong in the eternal kingdom. So do you if you are a believer and you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb and you've been saved and you've accepted His death, burial, and resurrection. You too have good new days awaiting you. Good new days. Good new days. The Apostle John in this passage, he's taken by an angel and he's being revealed the times to come and the eternal kingdom that is to come. And at this point, he sees all kinds of stuff already, wherever you're at with all of this. And, 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 and we see that there's been a, 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 the rapture and a, and a time of tribulation and a millennial reign. And the chapter before that is the judgment of what we will call the great white throne. And I'm not going to get into all of that right now, but in this passage, he introduces to us what is shown next after all of these things that have happened on earth. And the next thing that he sees is a new heaven, a new earth. And then he sees something special, and it's a holy city called the New Jerusalem. And guess what he starts to do next? He begins to describe it, at least he tries to. And he starts off in a beautiful way. And this is how he starts off, just in case you forgot. He starts off like this. Then I saw a new. A new what? And he starts to say all the things he saw. Because it was all new to his eyes. It was all new to his senses. Everything I smell, see, hear, all of it is new. And my gosh, it's, it's worth it. It's new to him. There's nothing like anything he's ever seen or heard. Nothing. It's all new, and he realizes as he writes this, it's going to be new to his listener. And here we are some 2,000 years later, and it's still new to us. It's still new. You could read about it. You could read books about it. There's a lot of scholars that feel like they have it down packed. They know exactly what the new Jerusalem is going to be like. But I believe they still will fall short when they enter. <laughs> if they think that they've reached the understanding of what the eternal kingdom would truly be like. We could do all we can to try to visualize it and its greatness, but we'll fall short. We can't do it. You can read and search for the eternal kingdom. 
But every time, it'll be new to us. It'll be refreshing. Once we get there, it'll be exciting. It'll be thrilling. It'll be all the more new to us. And our eyes, when it lays hold on it, it will be like nothing we've ever seen in the good new days to come. It'll take your breath if you have any breath left in you on that day. I'm thinking that when we get there, if we all get there at the same time, we look around, we're all going to be on our faces and say, let me know when you get up. I will dare to get up when you get up. But it's going to be a beautiful moment, a beautiful time. In verse 1, everything that we know, John says, in this passage is gone. It's passed away, he says. But there's this setting now, and I guess the best way of saying it is there's this new setting. The older is gone, and we live now in this new setting, this new order. And it's God's eternal order. Man can try as much as they want to try to create a new world order. But God says, wait until you see my new order that I have in store for all of my people. As man tries to be God and man tries to govern the world and yet fails, we've seen in our nation and in nations all around us that governments fail, kings fail, presidents fail, agendas fail because there's one whose agenda one whose plan, one whose kingdom, one whose reign will never fail. And he will sit on his throne and he will say, welcome to this new order of my eternal kingdom for the rest of your life. And it will never fail. I'm talking about the good new days. If you haven't caught that, it's the good new days. It's a way of life that as I read it, I have no understanding of it. And we will see that in verse 4. It's all new. It, it's all great. And, and you've heard us say this here before. Well, I don't know if I like surprises. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of surprises. I think on this day I will be. Or maybe of change. Some people don't like change. We, we talked about that before in other messages. I don't like new. I don't like changes. But, but this whole description here in verse 4 and so on, it's different. Like, come on. Do you understand this verse? Let me read it to you one more time. And God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There shall be no more death, sorrow, or crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Do you really understand that? That's a very hard, I, get, I understand what it says, but do I really understand what it is to live in that verse? To never cry, to never feel pain, to truly understand that the former things are gone. What a beautiful new thing. What a beautiful change. It's, it's, it's one that I don't get to decide for myself, but one, and it's not, though I don't get to decide, it's not forcefully given either. When you read through chapter 21, I hope you see that it's, just, it's supernatural. It's given to us in this way which is loving. It's, it's overwhelming that the past things are no more, and it's so good, these new things. And, 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 and I get it. We read Revelation 21 and many other passages that, that may speak about eternity. And well, how is it going to be like? And many people try to define how it's going to be like. We ask questions like, is my dog going to be there? I'm a dog lover now, guys. I became this dog guy. So that's a question I have now. Like, is, my dog is Fig, right? Is Fig going to go? I don't know. <laughs> you know, will we recognize each other? Will, will we see people in earth? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And we could grab different passages from Scripture to kind of help answer some of those questions. And we have all these questions. Like, what's it going to be like? 
At the end, no scholar, theologian has even the slightest idea because they're not God. You could grab every great theologian and scholar and put them all their ideas and thoughts together and form the massive brain of all brains. And yet it doesn't come close to the knowledge of God, to the creativity of God. So we don't have the slightest idea, but I know that when I read scripture, never will, at least me, I'm going to speak for myself, ready? Never will I be bored. Never will I be bored. Never will I get tired of it, of the colors and of the sounds and of the beauty. I won't say, like, ah, just bored, I've grown accustomed to it. I don't think it's going to happen. I just came from vacation, staring at these mountains and at this water that you could see through it, I just got here. And I could tell you that I could live there for the rest of my life. And that doesn't even scratch the surface of where I'm going in the good new days. And just that alone is this creation. And I was there and I was marveled by the water. And I was marveled by the, marveled by the life. And mar you could marvel at the mountains. And yet God says, you think this is something you haven't seen anything yet, my son. Wait until you continue to see the greater and the good and the better new days that are to come. So I know for sure that if I could live in something like that, I can't even imagine what my eternity is going to be. From the walls to the streets, from the rivers of waters, the saints, all of God in His glory, all eternity, all of this is going to remain new to me and it's going to be jaw-dropping for the rest of my eternity. It's going to be something that I don't know, it's hard for me to even preach it, because how do you do it? How do you define this? I don't think that it's something you will regret. It's going to leave you in awe. What a way to live in these new days. To be constantly in worship. Constant worship of God will surround you. Because you are near and you are there present where he sits on his throne forever. Hmm. All right. In 1 Corinthians 15, it gives us this little insight. I, I read this passage a lot when I do funerals and stuff like that. I'm going to share it with you. Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40 through 44, it says this. There are also bodies in heavens and bodies on the earth. Did you read that? So how is it going to be like, I don't know, there's bodies. The scripture says that there's bodies in heaven. And there's bodies on earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. So I'm defining it for you. I know that the bodies in heaven are going to be more glorified than the bodies on earth. <laughs> there's dimensions to this body. <laughs> there's more glory and there's some that are less glory. All right, let's keep going. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Okay, now it's talking about dead that resurrect. Watch this. Our earthly bodies, they're planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Amen. Verse 43, here's where it gets a little crazy. Ready? Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. We got to... Sit wish my grandmother a goodbye when she breathed her last breath. We were, we were there with her. She was frail and she was on the bed. It was a sad moment, obviously, for the family. But it's a reminder of life. 
and she went to be with God. And I look at this old lady, my grandmother, and I say, wow, this body that I see, which is buried in weakness, instantly now is raised in strength. How's that? When I get to glory, my grandmother sees me and says, Mijito. And I say, whoa, abuela. You definitely look different than when I last saw you. That's going to be for real. That's going to be for real for me. Like, wow. My grandmother looks. Amen. Verse 44 1 Corinthians 15, it says, not only that, but they're also buried as natural human bodies. But they will be raised as, they're still bodies, but watch this. Spiritual bodies. Now, you tell me what that means. You scholarly, God-fearing people. I mean, you have to know that. You're Christians. Spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, guys, don't be fooled for once, that just as you could pinch yourself and there's natural bodies sitting in this room, that there are also spiritual bodies. And they could also be sitting in this room because you never know. I thought that was just a physical body. A normal body. No, that was a spiritual one. Just think about Let that settle for a little bit. All right, here we go. But I love this. This is the, the craziness of Scripture. The stuff that makes you want to continue to chew on it and eat it. And, whoa, this stuff is so, so special. And it, 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 it makes my heart just like beat a certain way. I do know that it's, I, I don't know much, but I do know this. That it's going to be glorious. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be supernatural. It's going to also be spiritual. A way that no man could ever come close to describe it, not even I as I try to preach it. And this is a hard message just to preach because how do you describe that? So, yes, there were good old days. How many of you remember the good old days? Mm-hmm. Let's sing the song together, huh? Those were the days, my friend. Okay. I thought you were going to sing it with me. You left me hanging. The good old days, they were there. But don't ever forget that there will also be the good new days. All right, I'm not done yet, but listen to this. If we've already gone over what some of the good new days looks like, I started to think about this, and I said, can't we start living in the joy already today because the good new days has been revealed in our hearts already? So what's my problem? What's your problem? Come on, what's our problem then? If we belong to the good new days. Let's write a new song. How many of you are talented? Maybe some of you could sing it. Some of you could write it. But let's write, these are the good new days. The days are yet to come. Let's, let's redo the song. There's a new day, better days that's going to come. One that will never run out. It will be a day that will last forever. It will be spectacular and it will be spiritual and it will be eternal. And verse 2 and 3 It goes on to describe that there's this new Jerusalem as well, 
A new Jerusalem that in, if you go to Revelation chapter 11, it was trampled by the feet of man and it was destroyed in Revelation chapter 11. The old Jerusalem destroyed and it's trampled by other nations, but now it's being described in verse, in two, in verse 2 and 3, in 21 of the book of Revelation, described as new now. I love that when man destroys, God restores, transforms, and causes it to be new. The nations came and they thought they were going to do something and their feet caused it to trample and to destroy it. And God says what nations have destroyed with one breath, watch how that same land becomes new again. My God, that does something to me. So that same thing now is described now as new and it's a holy city and it's one that is prepared, one as a bride, adorned as a bride. It's called the holy city. It's called the new Jerusalem. Matthew Henry says this, and I will not steal it, I will quote him, he says, this new Jerusalem is the church of God in its new and perfect state, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, beautified with all perfection of wisdom and holiness, meet for the full fruition of the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. And here is where you find forever. It's a forever place dwelling with God. It's a dwelling place between God and his people, his people and God. And it's the goal of God's heart. It's God's covenant to reign with man and man with God. Well, how can you say that? Because it's all over the Bible. In the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle that was built. After the tabernacle, remember this preaching months back? There was a temple that was built. This is how we started the house that God builds. The tabernacle and the temple. And then in the New Testament, who comes in? Jesus comes. And he says, I want to come. Look how desperate God wants to be with you. That he comes to earth to hang out with you for a, for a few years. That's God's heart, to, to be with his creation and his creation to honor and glorify him. And that's what he's always wanted. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we see that. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. His name alone, guess what it means? Emmanuel, it means God with us. That's God's desire. I want to be with you, but sin has separated you from me. And I want to be with you, and I want you to be with me. The good new days, guess what? The good new days, sin will no longer separate you from me and me from you. The good new days, sin is once and for all destroyed. It's gone. God with us. No interruption. No interruption whatsoever. You don't have to worry about anything. I don't know what that's going to be like. Will I have to put the kids to sleep? Will I have to fix dinner? Will I have to change my oil in the car? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be like earth. It's a new way. It's a new way of, of doing stuff. I don't know if you're going to have to drive an hour to get to places. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could tell you all these things. It's going to be different. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be spectacular. He's going to dwell with us. We know that for sure. We're going to dwell with him. And that's going to be continually. And it's never going to be interrupted again by anything. It's going to be an everyday thing that I will be in the presence of the God. And the presence of God will illuminate everything that I see with my eyes. Right now the sun, the light of the sun allows your eyes to see. In eternity it's the light of Christ that will allow your eyes to see. I want you to put that into perspective. It's no longer the sun star that causes your eyes to see. It's the son of God who illuminates all of heaven with his glory that gives you the sights for your eyes to see. That is why scripture says no eyes have seen. I want you to think about that for a moment. Well, what will my eyes see? Whatever the light of Christ shines on and how that's going to look like, whatever that, 
You try to tell me how the light of Christ looks. I only could describe to you lights on earth, fluorescent lights and yellow lights and the sunlight. And the, but I can't describe to you God's light. That light is going to cause your eyes to see things you've never seen. Our color comes from the light. You know that, right? So imagine what your eyes will see. I don't know. I'm getting carried away, but it's going to be spectacular. We're going to be in fellowship with God for all eternity. He's going to have fellowship with us. It's a new world. It's a new way of things. It's a new order where Christ reigns and Christ governs over all. I'm telling you, it's the good new days. The English standard says it this way. It's the greatest blessing of heaven. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, and I'm going to read verse 22, 23, and 24. Listen to what the author of Hebrews writes, like if Revelation 21 is not enough. He says, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven, you've come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You've come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and his people, and, the, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. You've come, you've entered, you're here. Welcome to the good new days, is what he's telling us. It's the goal of God's covenant finally taking place in Hebrews. Hebrews is giving us a, a description of a future day. Hebrews is not writing about a present day. He's writing about the good new days. And then in verse 4, everything in the good new days is reversed. The curse is reversed. Sin, everything is gone. There's no more crying. There's no more tears. There's no more sin. There's no more pain. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, it says, For the Lamb. Everyone say Lamb. Yeah. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be our shepherd. And he will guide us to the springs of living water. And listen to this. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Who does that? The lamb of God. I can't wait for the lamb of God just to touch these eyes. How many of you are with me? You've going through stuff? You've been somewhere? And the lamb of God will touch you. And you'll never cry again. In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, it says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Thank you, Lord. There's death and there's mourning and there's crying and there's pain and there's sorrow. But in the good new days, it will be no more. I say yes and amen. Well, you know the things that happen on earth. Not sure. I don't see why not, but I do know it won't affect you. All sorrow and pain passes away, and you've entered joy to never escape it again. You've had bouts of joy, but like, I wish I could just stay joyful forever. The good new days, it's going to stay forever. Hope you're excited about that. In Isaiah 25, 8, just to give you more passages in Scripture, as we get through the book of Revelation, it says, that, through this chapter in Revelation, it says this, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. It's all over scripture. You don't understand maybe how this is going to happen, how this is going to take place. Well, guess what? Neither do I. <laughs> but it's going to happen. 
Well, how can you be assured? Because all over my scripture, all over the word of God, it says it. And that's good enough for me. Verse 5 and 6. He who sits on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. Write these things down, for they're true and they're faithful. And he said to me, It's done. I'm the Alpha Omega, beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to all who thirst. Verse 5 and 6. His words are faithful and his words are true because he is faithful and true. If someone's a liar and you've defined them as a liar, what do you do every time they speak? Mm, I'm not sure. You measure their words because you're not sure if what they're saying is true <laughs> because they're liars. They are a liar. So what they say is lies. But God says, my words are faithful and true because I'm faithful and true. And then what does he say to the apostle? Because I'm faithful and true, my words are faithful and true. So watch what he says next. So write it down. Write down these faithful and true words. Mark my words. Put my words down on paper. Trust me, they will come to pass. It's true. And it's faithful. It will be fulfilled. My enemies have been destroyed the salvation of my people is complete. It is done. He says in this chapter, in these verses, it is done. When was the last time that Jesus said it was done? He said it is finished on the cross. And here we are at the end of the book. In Revelation chapter 21, and he repeats something that he said on the cross. He says it is finished. It is done. My purpose, it's been served. It's God's pleasure. Here it is to reign glorified. All glory to God the Father, to Christ His Son, eternity. <clears throat> I love how John Piper says this, and I've said this here many times. Is this quote, he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. There it is, the good new days. Eternity's most satisfied, and He will be most glorified. It is done. He is the Alpha, he says, and Omega, beginning and end. I started it all, and I will finish it all, and I will continue now to make things new. Guys, I want you to know this. Ready? I know this according to Scripture. When you get to eternity, it's not the end. You're not like in a middle place where it's dull for the rest of your life. It continues to be written. There's new things that God is doing. It's just our Bible ends there. He ends there, but there's more to come that we don't know we're going to live and experience. There's so much more that's going to happen, but our Bible ends and doesn't give us any more insight of what's going to happen. But there's new to come. There's newer days to come. Whatever that looks like in eternity, it's going to continue to happen because God is a creator. God continues to work and make things happen. He's not boring, not once at all does he sit on his throne and say, it's all done. That's not what it is done and it is finished means. It's a new order that I'm putting into place. It's something different. My sons are with me. My daughters are with me. And I am with them. And now I make all things new. And, and that's a beautiful thing. He's making that. And we have no idea, but he's doing it. And he's going to continue to do that. And you're here today. And, and now is when I'm going to start to, to come to an end of all this. And you're here. And, and you're hearing all of this. And you know, well, I have this desire. Or you know someone that for sure when you get out of here, you're going to go to YouTube and copy our link and say, you need to listen to this message because I want you to be there. <laughs> or I want you to listen to this. Or I want you to drink from the same waters that I'm drinking from. But this is something that everyone should hear. And it's this, that, that maybe you're hearing, like I have this desire and I too need to be made new. And I want to enter into these new days. And, and I, it starts with me right here with what God wants me to start to become in him. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this. Listen to this passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, guess what he is? 
He is a new creation. New. I'm building new things and I want to do a new thing in you. I'm a God of new. The old things have passed away. Your old lifestyle, your old way of thinking, your old habits, everything will pass away. And behold, all things, he's using repetition, will become new. And you're hearing like, I want to be made new. And I ask, you need to stand before the fountain that gives life freely to you, as the book of Revelation says. Maybe you're at a place where you're like, I used to drink from those waters, but I stopped drinking from the fountains of God. And everything in me feels like there's cobwebs and everything in me feels rotten. Everything in me feels distant from God. And the Lord just whispered or screamed or however he talks to you (laughs) into your soul, deep, deep into your being and he says well let me make things new again drink 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 from this fountain once again live in the promise of verse 7 what is the promise of verse 7 he who overcomes shall inherit all things and i will be his god and he shall be my son this is jesus's heart for you It's not just the book of Revelation chapter 21. It's also all over scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. It's also in Jesus' life ministry on earth. In John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, he tells a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, if you remember that story, he answers and says to her, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. He's by a fountain of water, and you and I know there is no doubt about it that he's not talking about that water. That water always causes people to drink again. He's talking about a different kind of water, my source of water. He says, whoever drinks out of this water will never thirst. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him, look what he says, will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal, everlasting life, to the good new days. What is he saying? You could start experiencing good new days that will continue to last into the good new days. It starts now. Let it come into your heart right now so... So you can live in it in eternity. And then verse 8, just for the sake of reading it, let's read it one more time. The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns fire, brimstone, which is the second death. None of us, right? But verse 8, are those who don't thirst. Are those who don't come to the fountain and drink. These are like any... Anyone who's without water, what happens to anyone who's without water? Eventually, they die. And who is God describing in verse 8? The ones who are without water. Eventually, they perish. Come on, drink from his waters today. These are individuals that will miss what we shared in all that we've said in the last 20 to 30 minutes. The one who drinks and receives life will live in the promises of chapter 21 of Revelation. Verses 9 through 27 specifically, especially verses 20 through to 27. I'll read it one more time. Ready? But I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty. Come on, drink. Drink from the fountain because then this is your promise. I saw no temple for the, God, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb or its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is the light and the nations of those who save shall walk in its light. The kings of the earth will bring glory and honor into it. The gates shall not be shut at all in, by, the, by day. Sorry, there shall be no night there and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it but there shall be no means enter into it that defiles it, sorry, or causes an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Come on, enter into these promises.
drink and receive this life. I'm going to quote Matthew Henry one more time, especially on these verses, on verse 23 to 27. He says this, The glory of God lightens the city, and the Lamb is the light thereof. God in Christ will be an everlasting fountain of knowledge and joy to the saints in heaven. There is no night, therefore no need of shutting the gates. All is at peace and secure. The whole, the whole shows us that we should be more and more led to think of heaven as filled with the glory of God and enlightened by the presence of the Lord Jesus. Nothing, listen to this, sinful or unclean, idolatrous or false and deceitful can enter. All the inhabitants are made perfect in holiness. Now the saints feel a sad mixture of corruption which hinders them in the service of God and interrupts their communion with him. But at their entrance into the Holy of Holies, they are washed in the laver of Christ's blood and presented into the Father without spot. None are admitted into heaven and work abominations. It is free from hypocrites, such as, make, such as the one who make lies, as nothing unclean can ever enter heaven. Let us be stirred up by these glimpses of heavenly things to use all diligence and to be perfect and to perfect holiness in the fear of God. It is done. Jesus says it is finished. It's done. There is a better day. There is good new days. There is something new coming. And this is it. It is done. The Lord, as I close, in Isaiah chapter 43, is telling the people uh, not to remember the past. And, and I'm just going to read one last thing to you. And there were good old days. Remember the good old days. Sometimes I look at ministry and I, and I call certain parts of the ministry that God's called me as good old days, the better days. But what a slap to God's face, huh? What a slap to his face to say, oh, those were better days. Those were good days. And God says, what? And who am I and what am I doing today? Isaiah 43 the Lord is telling his people and I believe he's telling us as we've read all throughout scripture don't stay so focused on your past those are former things keep focused on what I will do he says look what he says I'm going to read verses 18 through 21 Isaiah 43 look what he says do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old here's Isaiah and it still sounds like what Jesus says, what the apostles say, and what Christ says also in Revelation 21. It all sounds very similar. Nor consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. And this new thing, look at this, it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert and the beasts of the field will even honor me, the jackals and the ostriches because I've given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, this people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. How many of you can say amen? Remember not the former Things do not consider the things of old. So what do I do, Lord? Behold, 
I will do a new thing. I will spring forth new waters. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for this reminder that there's good new days. Sometimes the the world wants to sadden our heart to take us away from the joy that the good new days has brought. It brings it brings heaviness and it brings all these things. But let us rest in the promises of the good new days. Let us live in the resurrection of the good new days. Let us live in the truth of the good new days. Let us never be shaken regardless of what presents itself to us. Let us never be shaken from the good new days that are before us and that await us in the days to come. I want to pray for you today. Lord, if there's anyone in here today that is dry and needs to drink of your waters, I pray that today that they would open up their spirit, open up their hearts. Today, if we get thirsty, we need to open up our mouths and we need to allow the fluid to come in through our mouth and down and satisfy the appetite of thirst. Lord, in the same way that we have to open the mouth to drink water, I pray that we would open up, that we would open ourselves up to receive the waters the waters of heaven, the waters that come from you that would cause, as you told the woman at the well, as we read it just a moment ago, that whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again, but inside of them will spring forth exactly how we just ended in Isaiah. For you're doing a new thing to spring forth new waters, waters of everlasting life. I pray if there's anyone here that needs that, that today they will drink and begin to live in the good new days. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and with reverence. Just give God reverence here for a few minutes. And as you stand, know that you also stand not before me, not before each other, not before this room, before this ceiling, or before these walls. Know that though you're here on earth and that your feet touch this soil on this earth, know this, that you also stand before a holy God today. And as you stand before a holy God, today do you need to drink from his fountains that will cause you to never thirst. Today, do you need rivers in a desert? Do you need the Lord to spring forth new waters that they would bubble up inside of you to everlasting life, to the good new days ahead of us that are to even come? If that's you today, I don't want to leave here without praying for you. I want to come alongside you and I want to pray with you because I know exactly where you're at. I have also experienced that many times in my life where I'm dry and weary and tired, where I feel rotten and distant from God, where I feel like I haven't heard, felt, seen, or I can't even understand a word when I open, his, when I open the Bible. Lord, I need your waters. If that's you, don't walk, just run up to this altar and let us pray alongside you and say, Lord, fill my brother and fill my sister with fresh waters. Let it spring forth. Do a new thing in them. 
Let the good new days come. We're going to spend a moment just in ministry here. Just coming alongside you and hugging you and loving you and just saying, I know what you feel like, sister. I know what you feel like, my brother. Trust me. I, 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 we could sit here and tell stories. The, the man that is praying alongside you, the woman that is praying alongside you hasn't figured it all out. We've been there. So I pray strength and I pray waters, rivers of living waters to become alive in your belly. That, lo- that you would begin to experience good new days on this moment and for the days to come. I, I know exactly what you, where you're at. So no one praying for you has figured it out, perfected it. But I'm telling you, they've probably experienced it. If that's you, come to this altar. We just want to pray with you and come alongside you. There's nothing that we could give or say. We just want to encourage you with words of prayer. We want to encourage you as a family just to come alongside and pray for you. And maybe you can even pray for us and pray for that person as well. Come on, let's strengthen each other. Take about a few minutes here and just be in prayer. Be in this moment in His presence. And be in that moment where you could say, Lord, spring forth a new thing. The, new, the good new days. That I will be able to sing the song differently now. And not, no longer say, those were the days, my friend. That I will be able to say, these, these moments, these are the days, my friend. And these days shall never end because they go with me in eternity. Let the song change in our heart. Let the song change in our mind. That these are the days that will live on in eternity. Come on, let's believe that. Hallelujah.